Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. Father God, I just thank you this morning for your presence. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are the one who speaks to us. And Lord, we just pray as the scriptures are open this morning, Father, speak into our hearts, challenges this morning, challenges this morning. For those who need to be spoken to this morning, Lord, deep in their hearts, I pray that the, the soil will be good soil for the seed to land upon. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, verse 25. It says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? This is what he answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This story, many of you have probably seen the Samaritan number you can call if you're in trouble. And we, that's kind of where that comes from. But we all know from maybe from Sunday school, the story of the Good Samaritan, but Jesus uses the story of the Good Samaritan to respond to an intellectual, someone with intellectual uh, ideas and a question, he responds with this story. Have you, have you ever known that Jesus, a lot of the time, responds to people with questions? It's quite frustrating, isn't it, sometimes? If you ask someone a question, they respond to you with another question. But Jesus asks him a question. He asks him the question, and he says this. What must I do? The lawyer asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what's in the law? He asks him, what do you understand? What is your understanding of the law? 
And so the person responds and he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Great answer. And Jesus says, you're correct. That's right. I'm glad he got it right. But he responds with this understanding of what it is the most important thing as he's tested Jesus. What is the thing to inherit eternal life? Now I believe that we can be saved. Being saved is how we believe to inherit eternal life. Amen. We give our lives to Jesus. He forgives us our sin and we're washed in his blood. We're given to him. And from that, we know we inherit eternal life. How many of you today, you say, how do you know that I've got eternal life in him? And I know because I just know that I know inside. No one's given me any written uh, contract. Uh, Jesus never said, right, you, you accepted me, so here's the contract. This is it, so you can always go back to the contract. There's nothing on paper, there's nothing specific that you have or that I have, but something tells us in our heart, and it's by the Holy Spirit, that we have eternal life in Him. Amen? But I just want to talk this morning about what's important about this story and this response, and that Jesus is actually saying to him, one of the most important things you've got to do is love God. Now, I believe that we can be saved, we can give our lives to Jesus, and sometimes we fall out of love with God. You say, I'm not so sure about that. But I really believe sometimes we have got to watch our relationship with God because we can give our lives to him. We can, in a sense, and I don't uh, put this down or play it down, we can sign that contract as we say, I give my life to you. But as time goes on, as life goes on, we find ourselves in a situation where we begin to lose our love for God. Some of us this morning, maybe you're sat here and you're saying, well, I, I come to church every week. I do this. I do that for the Lord. I serve him in this way. But ask yourself this question. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love God in your heart? Because I believe that when he asks this question and Jesus responds I believe Jesus is saying, I'm going to get to the heart of the matter because despite everything else, you must, you must put me first. You must, as we sung this morning, look to me. Love me. If you love me, then everything else will fall into place. We can do church. We can do Christianity, but we can do it sometimes without love. And I want to encourage you today. That this message is about loving God, loving Jesus. The story of the Good Samaritan tells us something quite interesting. Because in this story, the priest and the Levite, it says they pass by. How many of you know that they have the knowledge, they were religious people, they have the knowledge, but yet they didn't have love? You can serve God, you can have the best ministry, you can do everything you want for Jesus, but sometimes you're doing it and there is no love. Because the moment that someone is in need, the moment that God is looking for you to go over the road and cross the road to this person, you're not willing to do it. Because ultimately it's all about service and not love. 
And I think it's important because I'll tell you when Jesus returns, he may be coming to look and we may give account for what we've done. We see that there are many stories in the Bible and Jesus uses illustrations for how how have we used the gift he's given us. He's looking for to reward us for the work we've done for him. But I believe this, the primary thing that Jesus will be looking for is, did you know me and did you love me? Did you love me with your heart and your soul? Because you can tell me, Fred, you can tell me, Jean, you can tell me, Chris, how much you did for me, but did you love me? Quite an important thing. The priest who people would have looked at in this story as the one who knows everything. He knows the scriptures. He could talk the talk. But he couldn't walk the walk to the other side of the road. When it come to it, the good Samaritan is prepared to cross. Amen. There's a great difference, I believe, between the passion for God and love for God. Did you know that? If someone says to you today, have you seen that person? He's so passionate about God. When he comes to church, he raises his hands. She raises her hands. She looks so passionate for God. I wish I was as passionate as that person. I just wish I had the passion that they had. They seem to love God so much. And you, sometimes we compare, we look at them, we think, I've just not got the same passion. I can't worship the same way as them. But do you know there's a difference between passion and love? You can be passionate about something but not really love it. You can end up being passionate about doing something but not really love the thing you're doing. You're just passionate. You end up being in this kind of momentum of just doing it because it's it's routine. Because love is not there. We can be passionate for service for God but passive in our relationship. Do you know that we can be passionate for service to him, but passive in our relationship? We can put our relationship aside because we're doing so much for God. If we look at the story of Mary and Martha, we see that. Mary and Martha are there and Martha is running around doing all the cooking. I always feel sorry for Martha. She's always running around doing the things. Not you, Martha. It's fine. I'm not looking at you. If you do cooking, you can serve Abra and Lewis this week. But she's running around and doing all these things. And you know, one of the most important things that Jesus says is that Mary chose the thing. To sit at the feet of Jesus. To come and be with him. Now, note this. Jesus never says in that illustration, this story, he never says there's anything wrong with Martha. He says that she's, he says Mary's chosen the, the better thing. In other words, if you can spend time sitting at my feet first, then your service will be out of love and not out of just a passion or routine or just because you feel you need to do something. I really feel sorry for Martha, not you, but I really feel sorry for her because actually she's doing so much for the Lord. She must have been so, imagine what you'd have felt like. You'd have felt like throwing the pans down and walking out. You've been spending all morning putting a meal together and Jesus says to you, you know, Mary's chose the better thing. Just put the, put the things down, leave, let it burn and come and sit at my feet. 
I really believe Jesus didn't say that. I believe if we'd have been in that situation that day when the pans were bubbling and the meal was being cooked and the service was being done for Jesus, if we'd have been in that room that day, we'd have discovered that Jesus would have loved the fact that Martha was doing what she did. He'd have loved it. He'd have said, this is an amazing meal. This is great service. But listen, listen, just make sure you put me first. Just make sure that you love me before you do these things. I want to encourage you today that you can do things for God without loving him. It's a dangerous place to be. What do we learn from this story of the Good Samaritan? Is it possible for us to be a believer and lose our love for God? I really believe we can. The title of this message today is The Love I Lost. Notice in the in this title is The Love I Lost. You see, Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us, amen. Sometimes we lose the love for him. He never stops loving his children. Do you know that? Not one time does he ever look at you and think whether you're doing things for him or not, whether you've sinned, does he ever think that he doesn't love you? I love the fact that he constantly, he is passionately in love with me, amen. No matter what I do wrong, he's passionately in love with me. And he's passionate in love with you. He loves his children. But sometimes we lose our love for him. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, we're reminded that we can leave our first love. It's there. It reminds us that, as, as that in Revelation 2, it reminds us that it's possible for us to leave our first love. There is a call probably this morning in your heart to come back to your first love. To come back to the one who saved you. To come back to the one who gave you your life. Amen. I want us just to quickly turn now with, to another scripture in the book of John in chapter 21. Just to look at something else that I believe is important and in parallel with this this morning. John chapter 21 and verse 15. This is the end of the story, should I put it, of where Peter, we all know that the story of Peter denies Jesus by the fire. Then after Jesus is resurrected, this is the third time that he comes to his disciples and he meets them and he makes breakfast for them on the shore. And when he makes breakfast for them and and, and he's on the shore, they're out fishing. And the first thing Jesus shouts out to these disciples, remember this is the resurrected Jesus. This is Jesus back from the dead. I mean this is just amazing stuff. He's now back from the dead. He's now cooking breakfast on the beach. And he shouts out to his disciples who are fishing. Who are not having much success. And he shouts out to them. And he shouts, have you got any fish? And when they say they haven't got much. Then he tells them where to cast their nets. Immediately they get a miraculous catch of fish. 153 fish it says. 150, from having nothing, the resurrected Jesus shows up, makes breakfast and tells them, throw your nets this side, you'll get 153 fish if you do it. And so they do it, they get the 153 fish, and it says the nets didn't break this time, and they bring in this catch. But one thing that happens here is, I love the part of this story, is where in your Bibles, in some of your Bibles, it'll say where Peter is reinstated. So it's the, the story of where Peter has failed God, He's denied Jesus 
at, at, at the crucifixion. He's denied him, given up on him, and now Jesus is coming back to reinstate him. To give him a new chance. How many of you want a new chance this morning? We fail God. We want that new chance with him. I want to tell you, he give you another chance today, amen? he give us another chance. And here in John chapter 21, we see the moment where Peter gets onto the shore and has a conversation with Jesus. He says this in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Remember, he's, he's denied him and he's now meeting him. He's question time. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. How many times? You know, if I ever said to Emma, if she says to me, Phil, do you love me? And I say, you know I do. Well, that's just not good enough. It just doesn't. It's just not good. You know, no, she doesn't know. That's why she's asking. Do you love me? Well, sometimes we have to say yes. And Peter responds first and says, uh, you know I love you. Jesus responds and says this, feed my lambs. It's quite strange. Then he says, Simon, son of John, again, a second time, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, saying, you know. He answered, Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then he says this, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. It goes on straight after that bit of scripture as Jesus begins to reveal that Peter will die for his faith. That one day he will die, he will, he will do things that he didn't want to do. And he's basically saying to him, I want to recommission you. But the primary thing that Jesus is doing, he's not just saying, I want to talk to you and ask you about what happened back there when you denied me. I don't want to just talk to you about all the things you failed on, Peter. But I want to understand one thing. Do you love me? Because moving forward, the reinstatement of you... In your failure, the only way you're going to move forward is if you love me. The only way is not by me saying, I forgive you. And listen, there's a new uh, ministry title for you, Peter. You know, you're going to be the rock and you're going to do this and you're going to die for me. And he doesn't say, I'm going to give you all these things. He says, first of all, do you love me? Do you love me? But he says, more than these Now, no one really understands what more than these is. What are these? I want to know what these are. I don't know about you, but what does he mean when he says more than these? Well, remember, he's just come back from a miraculous catch of 153 fish, just landed in. This guy's a fisherman. He loves fishing. He's good at fishing. Apart from when Jesus shows up, he shows how bad he is. But he... He has the the possessions of these fish. He has all of these things. He has his friends around him. He's already built up a life since he's denied Jesus. He's trying to move on and saying, do you know what? I might just go back to fishing. I believe there's some people in here today who've let Jesus down. They've failed God. And they're saying, do you know what? I'm just going to go back to the old ways. I'm going to go back to what I know because it's the safe place to be. I'm going to go back to the safe place of fishing. I'm going to go back. This is my safe haven and I'm not going to move forward. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you failed God and you're saying, that's where I'm just going to stay. It's so comfortable. 
And when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? He's saying, listen, you've got some comfort here. But I'm telling you, there is more to it than this. There is a chance for you to do it again. But you must love me. He says this, feed my people. Feed my lambs, sorry. Take care of my sheep. In other words, he's about to do something for the Lord. I believe that there are people here today that God wants to use and the enemy has tried to rob you of your future, of what God wants to do in your life. I really believe that the enemy constantly is coming trying to rob you of that future and Jesus is saying this, listen, listen to me. If you would love me and put me first, then I will reignite back in your heart the plans I have for you. We all love the Jeremiah 29, 11 scripture that says, for I know the plans. Some of us are thinking those plans are way beyond me now. They're just, they're just not for me anymore because I messed up. Jesus says to you today, listen, forget about the past. It's time to move forward because I have great plans for you. Amen. But do you love me? That's the question. If we love God first, I believe our perspective changes. The first thing I want to draw out from this today is to look at what it is to love God. What true love is in loving God and our, and our service to Him. The first thing is this, the true love is selfless. How many of you know that Christianity is not about you? It's not about you and it's not about me. When I came into to serve God, I started to realize quite quickly that serving God, it's about serving others. It's about giving myself for others. And so many of us fall into this trap that we become lovers of ourselves and not lovers of God. If we become lovers of God, then we love what he wants. And he wants to serve others. How many of you see that Jesus came and he washed the disciples' feet? The disciples couldn't understand why Jesus wanted to do that. They're saying, this, this doesn't work out right in our thinking. We think that you're coming in a different way. We didn't expect this. And I want to encourage you today that actually to love God, you're after going to become selfless. You're going to have to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about serving others. Because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about others. In Luke chapter 10 verse 30, we read earlier in that illustration, it says, The man, when the Samaritan walked past, it says, The man he saw was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away leaving him half dead. Listen, the good Samaritan saw this man through the eyes of love. Not through the eyes of scripture, not just reading and understanding. He had love for the person. It was love that took him to the other side of the road. It was love that drew him across. He had a combination of probably understanding the word of God, but love for the person. Sometimes you can read all the books you want. You can read as much of the Bible as you want, but sometimes you're not prepared to cross the road to your brother or your sister, to the person sometimes who might need your help tomorrow morning when you see them and you're a believer in Jesus and you don't tell anyone that you're a Christian. Uh, there's so many times I meet people and they say, I- I've had a breakthrough and after something like five or six years of being a Christian, I've told someone I'm a Christian. And you know, that's great. But listen, we should never be ashamed of our Savior. We should never be ashamed of who He is. And do you know what we carry in our hearts? We are vessels 
We are vessels sometimes, we're broken, well, a lot of the time we're broken vessels, but we carry a treasure. We carry something that we can give to others. Some of us sometimes we walk and we don't, we miss these opportunities. We walk past people where people are broken. Listen to me, you're probably saying, well, I've never seen anyone like this story that when I walk out tomorrow morning and I go to work or to college or wherever I'm going, I don't see people in need like that. That are beaten. Let me tell you that this world is full of people who are broken. Sometimes people have got the biggest smile on their face. They look happy. But deep down they're broken. Depression is taking lives. There's so many people I meet today. And I talk sometimes to doctors. And I'm amazed at the amount of people who suffer from depression. The amount of people who you could know that you would look in the face and they look so happy, but deep down they're broken. And when we walk outside our, our place and this church, we're surrounded by people who may look like they're okay, but they're like this man and they're beaten and they're broken. And you know, sometimes we don't respond. We don't think that we have any reason to help them. But it's the love of Jesus that compels us to do this. Listen, if you've not got that, if you've got just passion for just doing things for Jesus, but you haven't got the love to do that for others, then I'll encourage you, seek God. Ask Him to make you a person that wants to serve others. You know, the other day I went, I went out for a cycle ride with one of the guys here from church, and we went out on this long cycle ride towards, if anyone knows St. Ives, and you go on the big uh, cycle path that goes to St. Ives. And I was on this cycle path towards St. Ives, and we were right in the middle of this cycle path. And we, we were riding down, and all of a sudden I see this gentleman walking with his bike. And he's got one wheel in one hand, and he's, he's, he's like a professional cyclist. He's got all the gear on. And so me and this other guy from church here, we ride, we come up and we ride him past him. And listen, to be quite honest, I must admit, I was just totally blinkered. I totally missed the fact that the guy was walking along with a wheel in his hand. I was just busy talking away. And, and I totally missed the fact that the poor guy wasn't riding his bike. And the, the friend who I was with, who's a, a believer, he, he spots him and I missed him. I feel really bad. He spots him and says, Phil, look, the guy's, the guy's not even riding his bike. So I said, oh yeah. So we stopped for this guy. And so he said, what's the problem? He said, I've got a puncture. Someone's already stopped by, but none of their equipment worked and they couldn't fix the wheel. Now I knew inside my bag that I got with me, the last time I went on a cycle ride on the same road, I got a puncture myself. Thankfully, somebody helped me out. But this time I thought, I'm going to take a brand new inner tube for my tire so that when I go on this same route, if anything happens, I'm safe and I'm covered. So I've got this brand new inner tube in my bag and I thought, when I go on this ride, I'm covered, I'm, I'm, I'm sweet. Now we're only halfway into the ride. We meet this gentleman. I'm thinking, I've got a brand new inner tube in my bag. Shall I give it to him or not? Or should I just pray for him? You know, if I just pray that the Lord fills up the, the wheel with air, you know, we believe for the miraculous, then I get to keep my inner tube. And so I just stopped and inside, inside I'm thinking, don't give it to him. You need the inner tube. You're going on a long cycle ride. What happens, what, what happens if it happens to you? And Tim, he gets off the bike and he looks at the guy and we stood there and I just thought, I said, well, and I, I, it was on the tip of my tongue, but I was holding it back. I just thought first we could pray and then I said, I've got an inner tube. You can have it if you want. It was, it was hard. 
So I get the inner tube out of the bag. This man was so blessed. He said, I cannot believe that, you, that you've come and helped me like this. I was about to walk the whole way home. I said, listen, let me help you out. I said, we'll give you an hour. You know, it was nice, nice feeling, but I realized that I wasn't actually a few minutes ago prepared to do it. Deep down, I wanted to keep the inner tube. And so then I give him this inner tube. We put the inner tube onto the tie, onto the wheel. And then we're all stood there. I don't know how many men it takes to change a wheel, but you know, we're all stood around this bike. There's three of us now. Not, none of us really know how to do it. And we stood there trying to fix this wheel. There's people flying past us on the bikes, looking at us, thinking, we're all in the gear. We look like we're professionals, but we've got no idea how to change the wheel. And everyone's looking at each other. I'm thinking, I've given this, this, I hope we can fix this bike. And then, so anyway, we, we give him this tire. And the, the guy's really, really blessed. The next thing I realize is none of us have got a pump. We can't find a pump to pump the thing up. So now I'm thinking, we've got to wait for someone to, walk, to ride past to get a pump. Eventually, we do find a pump. We get one, and we pump this tire up. There's one thing I realized, and it's funny this, but it's a lesson to be learned. If you ever want to learn a lesson in pumping tires up. We started to pump the tire up, and then I remember one thing that once someone told me. He said this, make sure, because I used to do it all the time. Anytime you pump up your tire, make sure you remove the thing that burst it in the first place. Because what everyone does is always puts the new inner tube on, fills up the air, and then a few meters down the road, the tire blows again. It's because you never remove the thing that burst it. And I said, ah, wait a minute, and it was my word of knowledge. I removed this piece, of a huge piece of flint that had gone into his tire. They said, wow, I thought it's so simple, isn't it, these things. We remove it, and I give him his tire back. He was so thrilled, he asked me my address. I then talked to him. We ended up praying for him and prophesying over him. I said, listen, before you go, I just want to speak to you. Is there any problem that you have in your body? Is there anything we can pray for? I just want to, I'd love to pray for you and bless you. I said, we're from a church. We love to help people. We love to give our inner tubes away to people. It's, it's always on our hearts to do that. I said, can I pray for you now, you know? And so he said, yeah. And I noticed on the side of his head, he got a huge scar down the side of his head. I said, I noticed your scar. Is there any problems? Do you suffer with anything? He said, when I was 10 years, this guy was probably in his 50s. He says, when I was 10 years old, he said, I, I had problems in my head. Uh, I was having pins. And so my mum and dad took me to the hospital. He said, when they took me in, they said to me, um, you, they, they looked, did a scan. He says, they found a tumor. He says, it was putting pressure. I was losing my vision. He says, they found this tumor. He says, so they, they said, they looked at the tumor and said, if this tumor doesn't come out in the next 10 days, he'll be dead. At 10 years old. So they did the operation. They removed the tumor. They said, when we remove this tumor, they said, they said to him, if you do survive this operation, you will be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. This is the guy who's cycling this day. So he tells me, so I said to him, listen, I want to tell you something. I said, I've never met you before, but I really believe in divine appointments. I, he said, and I said, I really believe God wanted us to meet you today. I said, and, I, and to bless you, but I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you. So I pray and I prophesy over him right at the side of the road. And it was an amazing time as we did that. He turned to me afterwards and he says, I really believe it is as well. He says, because the first person that came to me had all of the gear to help me, but for some reason it didn't work and he couldn't do it. He says, and then you came along. He says, and you helped me. And he said, he asked where the church was. So I gave him the details and I wrote all this stuff down on his phone for him. And then we moved on. Isn't God good? 
But as I prayed from that day and I just spoke some things over his life, I really believe God spoke into him. If we stop for people, if we see sometimes and we don't hold on to what we've got, if we love with all our heart, we will see through the eyes of Jesus. I really believe that day sometimes the enemy is wanting me to hold on to what I've got. But I, I'm thankful for my brother who was with me who was willing to help him. And he stirred me into wanting to help even further. I want to encourage you to do the same. We need to stop for people seeing that people outside are dying inside. They're stripped and beaten. They may not look it. There's people out there who are suffering with problems in, with financial crisis. They look okay on the outside. But Jesus wants us to begin to see these people with his eyes. You know, Satan's agenda is clear. It says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, there may not be someone beating anyone up outside, but the enemy is at work constantly trying to steal people's lives, kill them, and destroy them. But I don't know if you've ever seen that Jesus, he has an agenda as well. And his agenda is that we go and rescue people. That we pick the brokenhearted up. Amen. We deliver people, we pray for people, and we help people. He said to Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Take care of them. Jesus exercised this himself. He said, whoever whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. In Mark chapter 10, verse 44 to 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. John chapter 15 verse 12 to 14, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Amen. The second thing I want to say today, the first is that we need to be selfless in love, looking for others, looking for us. The second is this, that true love is active. True love is truly active. The Samaritan, in verse 33 to 34, it says, The Samaritan came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on the oil and the wine. So it says that he sees him, he not only crosses, he's not the one who's just blinkered to what's going on, but he crosses the road and now he does something with action. He brings action upon his words. He says, I'm going to go over there, but I'm going to bring action to this. I really believe that true love is active. You see, we might know that the enemy's agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus' missional statement in 1 John 3 verse 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. In other words, our agenda every day should be to destroy the work of the enemy. Amen? When you see people who are broken, when you see people who sometimes look like they're fine, there is a hidden agenda for the enemy, but we're here with the same agenda as Jesus to destroy the work of the enemy. To go and help the ones. You see, Jesus says, Jesus says that we now, he's given his spirit. We're the ones, we're the feet, we're the hands, we're the ones who are going to go and help people. You can't just pray for people and not do anything. You can't just have a prayer meeting and say, Lord, we pray for all the broken people outside. But we're not willing to actually go over the road and do anything. 
And I really believe that God is calling a generation today to stand up. To go and put legs on what we say. You see, so many of us can talk the talk. We're so good at saying what we should do, but we don't do it. There are people in this room today who were inside and just want to do more for the Lord. They prayed about it. But listen, God is calling you to put some legs on it. He's calling you to put legs on what he is calling you to do. That means you've got to do it. You've got to take the step to walk over the road while the priest is walking by. You've got to be the one who goes to the other side. What's your mission statement? If Jesus' mission statement is that he has come to destroy the devil's work, I, I used to be, when it, in the company I used to work for before, they used to write mission statements. We write mission statements in church. You go on anyone's website, including ours, you find mission statements. We've got to have these mission statements. It's kind of a guide as to what we're doing and where we're going and our mission. But I want to ask you today, what's your personal mission, missional statement? If, if I ask you for 20 minutes to go in a room now and write down what is your mission in your life, Write your mission statement. You've got 100 words. What would it be? What would be your mission statement? I really believe that if we love God, we see through his eyes that we're selfless. If we look through the eyes of Jesus, we'll have the same mission statement as Jesus. We'll have the same heart as Jesus. But do you know what? If we lose our love for God, just like Peter probably lost his love. He was out there fishing. He got used to what he used to do and thought, I'm just going to stick to what I know. If we lose our love for God, do you know what happens? We become inactive. You will become a deactivated person. You will be inactive. See, Peter wasn't out there praying for anyone. He wasn't out there preaching the gospel. He wasn't doing what he did in the book of Acts when we see him preaching 3,000 people get saved. No, he was out on a fishing boat just doing what he did. And Jesus thought, I'm not having this. I'm not having that you have so much potential. I'm going to come and rescue you from your situation. And I'm going to get you to see that if you love people in the love of Jesus, you will be able to do what I'm going to call you to do. Love is active. We need to walk the walk, not just talk it. You wanted to reactivate Peter. James chapter 2 verse 14 to 16, it says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Did you read that? So many of us love to read these scriptures, but the scriptures tell us that if we don't put action on our faith, then it is dead. There is no life in it. There is no life in, in that which we believe. You can look like the best Christians in sliced bread. That's a British term. Or whatever you want to say. But you can, you can have it all together. You can attend every single meeting, every conference. You can do everything for Jesus. Serve him. You can love him in the ways you think you do. But listen to me. We need to be active. 
active in our faith. Otherwise it's dead. Now what does he do? The Samaritan crosses the road. And the first thing he does, he says he bandages his wounds. Yes, sometimes we've got to be practical in our help. It's not always about praying for the sick. Sometimes we might have to do that. We have to bandage the wounds. We have to help people when they can't help themselves. Sometimes it isn't just about a prayer, but it's about helping people. But listen to me, we also serve a supernatural God. And I believe that when you leave this place and you go out tomorrow, you have an opportunity when you see the brokenness in in the world around you to go and pray for the sick. You have the opportunity. If you're a believer in Jesus, the power of God is in you to do that. Amen. He went over and he, and he deals with the sickness. He deals with the pain. You know, just a few days ago we had a delivery guy. If some of you didn't see, the guy comes here and he visits the church. And I wasn't expecting it. it was in the middle of doing some other practical stuff. You know, doing the Martha stuff, serving God and all the things. And then all of a sudden a gentleman walks in and he comes to deliver something and this gentleman's got hearing aids in. And in that moment I just said, listen, I really believe that God wants to heal you and to touch your, to touch your ears. And I prayed for him and lo and behold the gentleman takes the, these hearing aids out and he begins to hear again. Amen. He says this to me, it was on that we filmed it. He said, I, I, I think I need to throw these in the bin. Now we love hospitals, we love the design and technology, but at the same time, when Jesus touches someone, we can't argue with that. I wasn't expecting this, but I really believe that every single person in this room who's a believer in Jesus can do the same. We have the ability to go over the road and pray for the sick. He bandaged his wounds. The next thing he does, he says he poured on wine. He poured on wine. Now wine was a, in a sense in, in those days was like a disinfectant. It was a disinfectant for the wounds. That's why he pours on the wine. He's not just pouring on for the sake of it. He's pouring on the wine to act as a disinfectant. And I want to tell you today, you're saying, well, what have I got? What can I bring that's my disinfectant? Listen to me. The blood of Jesus is the disinfectant that will clean up people. Jesus died so that people can be free. They can be clean again. So they can wear the robes of righteousness that they don't deserve. Some of us are thinking today, what have I got that can help and clean people up? I can't give them words. I'm lost for words. I'm lost for wisdom. I don't know if I can give them the advice they need. Listen, the, the best advice that anyone can give anyone is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever circumstance they're in. That they know Jesus as their personal saviour. Listen to me, some places today are losing the power and the emphasis of the gospel of Jesus. And when we cross the road, it's not just about praying for the sick and believing for a miracle. It's about the accompaniment of the gospel of Jesus. It's about the accompaniment of giving the message of truth to that person. The disinfectant that we carry is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have it if you're a believer. We carry this message. It's not a secret. Mark chapter 8 verse 38 says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want to be ashamed of the message that he saves the brokenhearted. 
Today you carry with you, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the ability to pray for the sick, to bandage the wounds supernaturally. You have the ability today to go and disinfect by taking the message of the gospel to someone. But finally it says this, he poured on the oil. He pours on the oil. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. The, the oil was a soothing agent for that person. It wasn't the disinfectant. It was the soothing agent. And I really believe today that some people, when I meet them on the streets, there's one thing I absolutely love when I tell people the gospel or I pray for them, not just seeing a healing, but I love it when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. Because no one, sometimes people have never tasted it before. They've never seen the Holy Spirit. They've never felt the Holy Spirit working on their hearts. Just a few weeks ago, we were out on the streets and I met a group of young people and I was chatting to some young girl. And the young girl, I, I, as I began to chat to her, and she, she, was, she was so closed and a friend with her. And I just said, listen, I know you've not heard much about Jesus, but I want to pray for you. And I would just invite Holy Spirit to come. Because it's not about me. Holy Spirit maybe want to speak to you and want to encourage you. And so she said, okay. And all the time this was happening, I had a young gentleman to the left of me, a group of them, but particularly one, who was hurling abuse at me. All the time. Constantly hurling abuse and saying, this Jesus stuff is rubbish. He was swearing at me and he was telling them not to listen to me. And I constantly had this person on my left hand side. But I wasn't going to give up. Because these girls actually, if someone had seen them on the street, they looked totally fine. But actually the truth is they were broken. They were broken young girls. And so with a couple of the team were with me and Sometimes in situations like this, you feel like walking off and just thinking, well, I'm going to leave. And, but I, I spot the enemy. And the enemy, was when he's working through someone else trying to stop me from doing it, I think I'm going to keep going because I believe that God is going to be glorious in this. So I carried on speaking. I said, listen, I want to pray for you. And I want to see what Holy Spirit wants to say. So I did and I prayed for this young girl. And as I let my mouth be open and just let it flow and just speak to her, the Holy Spirit began to speak to her, revealing things in her heart, her home situation. She said, how on earth do you know all these things? I said, I don't know much about you. I said, but I know that Jesus loves you so much that he wants to tell you these things. I said, I there's so much I don't know about you. I said, but I know that he wants to prove that to you by his Holy Spirit. She was so touched. She said, listen, will you pray for my friend? The friend said, please pray for me. So I then pray for her. And I'm thinking, I've got nothing to give. In fact, for both people, I felt as I started to pray, I had nothing. But how many of you know when we are an empty vessel, we have everything? If you're saying today, I've got nothing, you have. you just got to open your mouth. And I opened my mouth, the second person, and God began to speak to her all the time. This guy, apparently I found out, he went around the corner, he was banging his head on the wall. I don't know if some, the demon was about to leave then, but he went around the corner. I found out after, whilst I was doing this, and was banging his head against the wall saying I, was, saying I was crazy. I don't know if you... Anyway, I continued... They, he then comes back and he says to the, young, to the young girls, he says, what's this about? And they said, you won't believe it. He has just told us everything in our lives. Let him pray for you. The guy wouldn't let me pray and he went away. How many of you know we've got to persist sometimes when it's difficult? It's challenging. But I want to encourage you today that we need to bring these three things. That when he just crosses the road and he comes to him, he brings the healing power of God. We can bring the healing power of God, sorry. 
He brings that bandage, doesn't he? Then we can come and we can bring that disinfectant. Don't ever have one without the other. Make sure that the gospel is included in that. That the disinfectant, the message of the gospel is there. And then finally, we bring the soothing agent of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that guards our heart and our minds, is ministered to people. You have all these three things if you're a believer. Amen? I love it when Jesus touches lives in that way. Finally, I believe if we love God and we're really operating through true love, we'll see that true love is sacrificial. True love is sacrificial. In Luke chapter 10, verse 34 to 35, it says this, The Samaritan put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Listen to me. When our love for God, if we are operating in true love for God, and we love him with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, everything we are, listen to me. You will sacrifice things for him. You will put things down for Jesus. Some of us today are probably thinking now, there are things in my life that I'm holding on to that I can't give away. Listen, Peter had a fishing net. He had all of the the ability to be a professional fisherman. He'd had some great catches that he could have been on Anglers Weekly with, you know, 153 fish caught in one catch. With no broken nets. He had everything going for him. But listen, we cannot hold on to the fish. We cannot hold on to our friends that he he was with that day. Some of us are holding on to professions. He had a profession. He had possessions. He had all these things. Some of us are holding on to this stuff. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you love me, you will have the heart to lay stuff down. You'll have the heart to sacrifice stuff for me. And he's saying to Peter, do you love me more than these? What are these? The fish, the mates, the boats, the nets, everything he had. What is it? What is it for you today? What are your fish? What is your thing that you hold on to? Because when you truly love God with all your heart... You're not just serving him in your way, but you give everything to him. And I believe God is calling people today to put things down, to sacrifice things for him, to leave their nets. You see, he says to Peter, he says, listen, follow me. He says, listen, do you know what? You're going to die for me. I mean, at that point, I'd have left. I think I'd have thought, you know, it's a bit like the inner tube. I'd have been on a verge of should I stay or should I go? You know? He tells me that, feed my lambs, I want you to do all these things. Do you love me? And by the way, Peter, if you do, do what I'm going to do for you, you'll die. And actually, you'll go to places where you don't want to go, and people will lead you where you don't want to go. But you're going to die. At that point, wouldn't you get on your boat and fly out? Because I know that I'd be feeling like that. But there's something that happens inside Peter. And it can only be by the Holy Spirit. There's something unique, something different that the world will never offer. Because if someone said to you in an interview for a job, said, listen, this is your future, this is what you're going to do, but by the way, you'll die by doing it. 
If someone said that to you, you would turn and run a mile. But there is something about God. There is something about the Holy Spirit. Amen. That does something in our hearts. That even though on paper it looks bad, we want to do it. We just want to serve Jesus. And I know this morning there are people in here that are saying, do you know what? I don't understand this, but inside my heart, there are things I want to lay down for him. There are things that I want to put down because I I know that he's calling me to love him more. I don't know if that's you today. But I really believe God is speaking to someone. You know your fish. You know your professions, your possessions, all the things you have. Even some of you got people around you, friends. You're going to have to... Leave friends aside for God to use you in the way that he wants to use you. You're going to have to put some things aside. But God is calling you. It may not look good on paper. It may not even look right on paper. But he's calling you to do it. Amen. The worship team want to come back and join me. Where is your love for Jesus today? If you were to write that mission statement, what is it you're going to do for him? If Jesus was to ask you that question now, do you love me more than these? What are these? What are these things that you have that he is calling you today to put aside? There's only you who knows that. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 24, it says, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Amen. Do you know something? I don't know if you've ever had this, but I get phone calls all the time. People ring me at home and they nuisance phone calls. Have you ever had them? They phone you up. I once had one once and they phone me up. And they start telling me that I got a free holiday. I thought, wow, you must love me. And they told me that I could go to this place and everything's free. I soon discovered, how many of you know that the moment someone tells you something's free, you say, what's the catch? I started to ask the questions. I've, I've been brought up that way. As a northerner, I've been brought up to find nothing's free. Nothing's free. If it's free, there's a catch. What is the catch? So I asked the questions and I soon discovered that if I went on this holiday that was free, it was free. But unfortunately, for some of the days, I'd have to attend some certain sessions to listen to someone sell me something that I would have to pay for. I soon discovered that actually what seemingly was free was actually not. It came at a cost. Do you know something? That Jesus calling you to do things in your life, to lay down stuff, to sacrifice for him, to give your lives more to him, to love him more than you've ever loved him before. Some of you are in that situation at the moment. And you're saying, what's the catch? Because it seems like you're saying, I can do all this for you and 
you're with me and you're going to help me. Do you know sometimes there is, there is a catch in it. And the catch is that you've got to lay some things down for him. There is a catch. It's not all free. Billy Graham once said this. He said, salvation costs everything. Uh, salvation is free, but it costs everything we have. It's true. It's free. It's given to you freely, but it will cost everything you are. I want to encourage you today that you might say, well, it is free and I've, give, I've been given this opportunity to work for God, to do things for the Lord and to be that person that he wants me to be. But there's going to be a catch. There's things that you're going to have to lay down. There's things that you're going to have to do for Jesus. True love is selfless. It's active and it's also sacrificial. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.